Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello, good evening and welcome to this week's More Labour podcast. The only rugby podcast that gives you all the news, views and opinion on the weekend's rugby action, all with a West Country accent. You can find us on Twitter, we are at More Labour Podcast. We are More Labour Rugby Podcast on Facebook. You can find all of our content on Anchor as well as Apple Pods and pretty much any other podcatcher. I think we even found ourselves on Spotify at one point. I don't even know if that's true, but give it a try. Um, but if you found us already, you're already listening, so uh, welcome. Uh, I'm joined by Doug Phil and special guest as Ben's not here. Ben's listening to some uh, somebody who I've never heard of. Is it a pop concert? Um, which is something you wouldn't really associate so with Ben. Cool. <laughs> he, he ain't, is he? He ain't. Anyway, right. But but replacing Ben is uh, is another West Country rugby fan, uh, an ex son and male hack who is a Bristol rugby fan rather than the Bath that we're used to. Uh, Ryan Keishaw, welcome, Ryan. How you doing, mate? Thanks, guys, for having me on. Um, big fan of the pod, so looking forward to this. Yeah, well, it's, it's a pleasure to, to welcome you. It's always nice to, to get another West Country voice involved and uh, a fan of, a, of another club that we, that we don't have on too often. So, uh, yeah, let's, let's see where this takes us. I'm sure you're going to have some interesting views on the proceedings at Ashton Gate yesterday. Oh, no, I'm still getting over it. Still getting over it. Well, uh, we'll we'll get to that. Um, Doug, Phil, are you you boys all right? You had a good week. Yeah, all good. Steady, mate. Yeah, steady. Good I was uh, disappointed today. I've, I've I've moved to Amersham, which is about forty minutes away from where I used to live. Um, obviously, was sort of having the odd game for Dunstable and whatnot. Um, contacted Amersham and Chilton Rugby Club, who have got a pretty good reputation around here, because um, I was wanted to go training tomorrow night. They only train once a week during the winter, and that's that on a Wednesday. And I can't make I can't make Wednesday now until the new year, so I'm pretty gutted about that. Ah, oh, well, I'm sure you'll get back on the on the field soon enough. Yeah. Um, 
do you do you play at all, Ryan? Are you are you, are you strap it or do you play previously? Um, I'm 38 now, so no. Uh, played, no excuse. Uh, I'm 40. Uh, yeah, I'm I'm 38. I played three weeks ago and did my collateral. So you know what, guys, guys, I I I, I doff my cap to both of you. I've, <laughs> no, I've done I've done my ACL, my shoulder, and I've got a plate in my hand. And after the, the hand, I stopped at 28. It was. Uh, no, I, I, I didn't know what to do on Saturdays. You know when you've grown up through school, playing every Saturday, and then you go to uni and you, you get a game at a weekend for a local club and then you have to stop. It's so weird. It's like, what do I do with my weekends? Yeah, <laughs> you know? I, I know what you mean. When I, when I left the airport, <laughs> I was playing probably, well, I was playing football three times a week. And then I got a job, like, filming all the stuff. And um, obviously everyone plays football on the or rugby on a Saturday, so most of my work is Saturday, Sunday. It was like, right. So I've I've had to kind of force myself into um you know, taking the odd Sunday off, play a bit of vets football and uh luckily my last club played on Wednesday nights occasionally, which was an absolute touch. So I've got to try and twist Amersham and Chilton. If anyone from Amersham and Chilton listens and uh, <laughs> there's a guy that comes along and is really desperate to play on a Wednesday night, that's me. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome. Brilliant. Um, right, let's have a chat about some Premiership action. Friday night saw the return of Saracens World Cup superstars. Your Owen Farrells, Vinny Vudapolas uh, and the likes all started um, on Friday night. Before we get too far into the game, when when did the wreck become so shit? Just in well, general. It, just look you, at the place. What when, do you mean when? When it, when it was built? Yeah. Wow, yeah, I, I always... It's on a floodplate. Yeah. That pitch, right, so I know because I've spent a lot of time running up and down that far touchline. That used to be a quagmire. And they've done wonders with that place compared to what it used to be. Um, it just... Let's, let's not forget that that far stand opposite where the main gantry is, is temporary. Yeah. And that is, even that is better than it used to be. There's now loads of stuff going on behind that stand. Um, they've expanded the end with all the corporate boxes on. That's bigger than it was. They've expanded the end at the clubhouse. It's actually in better nick than it's ever been. It's just that it cuts up because it's like Phil says on a floodplain. And like, I don't get like you, you look at Northampton's pitch and it's like a football pitch. You don't need that to play rugby. No, no. You, you play in a cow field. It doesn't matter. It just but it, it looked it looked at the start of the match like they just finished playing a match with the amount of rain that we've had recently. Mm. It it and yeah, it's been fairly hammered and it's had a lot of stuff, uh, a lot of rain put down on it. But you, you did just feel that the groundsmen have um, perhaps not done themselves any favours with a televised game with it looking like that. It just it's just the way it looked, and obviously none of us were there, but. Uh, like you say, from the very start, it just looked properly shabby. And... The, um, the lighting doesn't help either. So floodlights are temporary. They're quite low. So you get this quite... I don't know if you noticed, if you've seen the highlights of the Worcester game, incredibly dark. There's, there's um, The floodlights aren't really up to scratch. If you look at the Premier League, they have to meet a certain lighting level and it has to reach some sort of... I can't remember what they're what the technical term is, but there's a certain frequency of lighting that they have to meet and because it 
acts strangely with cameras and whatever. A lot of the rugby grounds don't actually meet that criteria. So it always looks a bit when it's, you know, a cold night and it, there was a bit of frost on the pitch as well, which doesn't help, which you pick up on 4K cameras that you wouldn't have picked up on the old stuff. Um, it just looks a bit dark and dingy. So I, I remember it was probably 96, 97 going to watch Bath against London Scottish and thinking, wow, this is this is like a proper stadium. This is it was probably my first <laughs> my first serious rugby match. And then I think the year after it was it was something like the Saxons against um New Zealand A team in a in a World Cup warm up thing. Um so it's probably actually ninety-nine uh, at Ashton Gate and going there and going, actually Bath is a pile of shit compared with this. <laughs> and if you look at the development that's happened to Ashton Gate since then and pretty much nothing's happened to Bath. It's it's there for its tradition and its atmosphere. It's like it's like the Dell used to be for Southampton supporters. We all knew it was a shit ground, mm. but we all loved it for what it was. Yeah. But but I wouldn't go back there. I'd go to St Mary's every time now. You wouldn't pay sixty quid a ticket to go back there, would you? <laughs> have you um have you seen the plans for the new development at Bath? No, I, I've not seen them, Brian. Have you I, seen them? I've had a I've had a brief glimpse, but it looks good on paper. But I just don't know how they're going to do it. There'll always be some UNESCO or Grade Two or so or I've something. Got a bit of an in, inside track on this because um, my yeah, my ex-wife's um, dad is a Bath season ticket holder and goes to all the forums and whatnot. And and the one thing there's. I don't know if you're aware, but there is one reason why Bath have never been allowed to redevelop the wreck, and that's because that you know those big stone houses that are just behind the clubhouse. Yeah. What the three million pound ones? There's one <laughs> resident in there that objects. That's the only reason. Um, is that like is that like why the Aviva Stadium has a small end stand? Because there's like the, the myth is yeah. that there's yeah, one there's little old lady in a terraced house. house. Yeah, and it's yeah, pretty yeah. much the same as Anfield as well, because Anfield only <laughs> just got their planning permission to do that new stand once, like the last resident popped their clogs so, in one of the surrounding the, areas. The, the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium redevelopment was something similar, wasn't it? It was a, uh, I think it might have been a Jewish family that had a, a business that needed to relinquish some property or in a way to to stop that from going along. So, yeah, well, it's interesting that that, that would be the reason especially when it's just a single resident as well yeah. you think i mean and obviously if they've got a a property in that location well, ch- chuck, chucking money at it isn't, yeah, isn't i've, I've really spoken to him before yeah. about well why don't they just you know they could have developed on the old training ground they could have built a new stadium slightly out of town and i think it's all just you know the uh, it's such an iconic location that to move away from it would probably lose a lot of what makes bath actually a viable club, you know. Yeah, and and it is like you say, it is iconic, isn't it? And it and it is almost what makes Bath Bath. I mean, they've they've got an identity, which is which is more than you can say potentially for the visitors on Friday night. Oh, they've got an identity. Yeah. It's that of a cheater. <laughs> <laughs> I'll just I'll just keep teeing them up for you, mate. So that's fine. <laughs> I'll just um, keep them out, mate. Don't worry. <laughs> but Saracens did bring back 
all of the big guns uh, for this one. And I think, obviously, they'll continue to do the same now as they go all the way through the season. Europe's going to be a write-off, so the Premiership is is going to be what Saracens really have to focus on. Um, they played like it, though, didn't they? They, they did. Played, they played like they've got half a dozen people who've been away in Japan for six weeks on a on a jolly and have just come back in and have forgotten the names of their teammates. Yeah, and that's what I was going to say. Obviously, everyone was expecting this absolute acid of a bath side that had been pretty poor to start off the season. And it wasn't like that at all. And from from minute one, it was just it was one of those games that was just it was error strewn, it was stop start, it was bitty. Um I've seen various sort of criticisms of it was Carl Dixon the referee wasn't it and I mean I think Carl Dixon's an excellent referee whenever I've seen him um I don't think he did too much wrong by trying to just let the game flow but you know Saracens are perennially offside but as as were Bath you know lying on the ball in the ruck occasionally sometimes you just gotta if you blew up every every single thing then we're we're never going to get a game of rugby so First things first, then, what did you make of, of those guys coming back from, from the World Cup, Ryan, for Saracens? You know, a little bit of a, an ease back in? I, um, I like what they called it on social media. They called it the bath bomb, didn't they? Because it really did just throw it all in there. And I thought, how I saw the game is I saw it maybe a little bit different from you. Going back to how we talked about the pitch, I think maybe Bath prepared the pitch like that. They're big forward pack. They're Beno Urbano. I thought they thought, let's just take them on up front and keep them quiet. And I think for the first 20 minutes, Saracens kind of took what Bath threw at them and then sprung off after that. And that's when they pulled away. That's how I kind of saw it. And I thought, yeah, you know, Bath kind of, their heads went down after they couldn't get any points on the board. They were just matching Saracens. And after 20 minutes, you kind of saw it went away. I don't know how you guys saw it. What do you think, Doug? Um, I saw it as a club with 15 world-class players playing <laughs> against a club with seven world, well, six world-class players. Um, a club who have had a singular direction and focus for the last seven years um, and a, and a way of playing and a, a a sort of shared unity that only really they have in the premiership against a team that is sort of finding its feet under new under new ownership um which isn't helping so with, i mean with it isn't helping with the amount of injuries that Stuart Hooper's having to deal with as well is it no obviously and i, I thought i thought saracens I have two or three more gears to go. They they're not they're not in full flow yet. Um, but their defence was incredible. I mean, the the case in point being that five five meter line out that Bath had seven phases later. They're they're on the ten meter line, and then they give a penalty away. And it's like, okay, I mean, this is what you're playing against. You you know offside or not that and and say what you want about them and often do that that was really impressive and it's frustrating as hell because you know until all those contracts are up we've got to put up with this shit but you know <laughs> um 
yeah, for, uh, you can't take anything away from them. They were fantastic. Go on, Phil. So, a um, couple of things that pick up on there, Doug. I think Exeter would be another team that would fit into that category of having a, a, a team cognition about what they're trying to achieve. They, they know exactly everybody. It doesn't matter. You lose somebody out of the team, somebody else steps in, and they know exactly what their job and their role is. Um, and you said they never really got out of second or third gear. I, I think that was a conscious thing. I think because it wasn't clicking. Um, and I think, Doug, it was you on the on WhatsApp said that you can see Saracens winning by 30 and really opening up in the second half. I, almost, I think it was a conscious decision by some of the leadership, whether that be on field or whether that be Mark McCall and your and your favourite man, Mr. Sanderson, going... Vince does nothing. I reckon he's like... Uh, you remember, he's a, he, like Phil Neal was with Graham Taylor. <laughs> <laughs> he's the messenger. He's the messenger. Yeah. He takes the messages and yes, passes boss. them on. Um, <laughs> but, but I reckon somebody there has gone, this, this is not clicking, so let's stick with phase one. Let's stick with what we know is going to work. Let's grind them down. Let's go for the penalties. Let's not do anything overly flash. Um, there was there was one thing. There was uh, it was I think it was nine six when Saracen scored the try, um, and you were thinking they'll go in half time close, and then Saracens will or kind of change it a bit. Um, somebody has done some some pretty good analysis on it, uh, and I don't like giving credit to other people, so I will claim it for myself. Um, in that try. So Priestland kicks the ball from inside his own 22, goes for depth, doesn't hit touch, and then it works its way all the way left, all the way right, all the way left, and scores a try. The work rate of Duncan Taylor in that try is absolutely phenomenal. He's He handled it three times, and he hit three or four different rucks in that. And for an outside centre to be putting in that kind of effort, it's just absolutely phenomenal. And when you when you break it down and you just watch what he does... He made that try, and that that is part of that Saracen's identity. Is actually skills are important, but work rate is is what's really important. It's the one banner that they have at their stadium that they can actually stand under with any kind of integrity. You know, but also what, the, one, does, it, the one that doesn't say part. integrity. Yeah. <laughs> but he doesn't have to play every week, does he? That should bring that, like what Tompkins that. in. They'll put. Well, Aaron, you know, well, he only played. He only played fifty odd minutes, didn't yeah. he? And then Tompkins. Yeah. And, and you saw the difference. I mean, Nick Tompkins is a fantastic rugby player, and I think you know it won't be long before he's he's somewhere in and around the England setup. But you know, the difference when he came on as well, um, I think he'll be more say more involved in the England setup than than what he has been uh, been previously. But you know, I think a sign of things to come as far as Saracens are concerned, grinding out results. Um, we'll see them picking up a lot more bonus points, I think, as we as we move along. Um, but you know, they're on minus eighteen points, and it's no matter what anybody says, it's going to be a pretty tall order to to claw it all the way back and and not be in a relegation scrap. Um, we'll come on to some of the other teams in a minute that will probably be down there. But I just, yeah. I just want to say one more thing about Bath, mate. Um... Sorry to interrupt and ruin your flow, but um, Stuart Hooper, obviously, everyone, there's there's this thing about him being this massive, like, man of real integrity and a man who's, you know, put the hours in and whatnot. Um, that's not what Bath need. Bath need Chris Boyd to come in and turn them from a plodding lower to mid-table team into a team of 
absolute hope and you know excitement. Now, there's a lot to be said for a club sticking by their men. Northampton did it for a long time, and it ended up with them in the mire. Leicester have done it for a long time, and it's ended up with them in the mire. Wasps are doing it with Die Young. Look where they are. And as nice and as, you know, stand-up a bloke as Stuart Hooper is, they don't need that. Yeah. They need to go out, and all the money that they're spending on back rows and and world-class, you know, locks and whatnot, they need to spend that money on a coach that's going to actually get them playing incredible rugby because the more that I've seen, I think we had a question about it on Twitter, what, what kind of input does a coach have? Chris Boyd is what kind of impact a coach has. Uh, Mark McCall is is the impact, you know. Look at Pat, what Les, Pat Lamb. Les, Pat Lamb, Les Kiss and yeah. That's what makes yeah. a difference. And well, you've the, got, like, he might be a great bloke, but if he can't get the blokes playing rugby... So the difference with Pat Lamb is he's he's gone out and recruited who he wants to to fit that team, whereas but, I don't think, I don't think Stuart Hooper has been given the ability to go out and recruit what he needs to fit his his model and the players that he's got are not. What is his players. model though? What 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 kind of rugby are they trying to play? Well, and, the, and I think that's been saying the, all along. Leicester have got no identity now. What's yeah. Bart? Well, so I'm I'm assuming because that's all I can do. I'm assuming he's, he's going down the model of the kind of player that he is, which is, which is work race, work rate, workhorse, almost kind of 12 man rugby, but he doesn't have that kind of, that kind of squad. I think if he had that kind of squad, they'd be squeezing out more results and not sit where they are at the table. I I think he might have that squad to a certain extent, but a lot of them are injured. I mean, you look at Yule's, (coughs) excuse me, Henry Thomas is injured. Toby Falatau, and then you've got the likes of Thokonasiga, Anthony Watson, you know, Jonathan Joseph still to come back in. Where... They, seem to be, they, they never seem to be fit, though, Russ. It's, it's no, the... I agree. But, you know, and it was telling on, on Friday night that you've got two of the blokes who won more turnovers in the World Cup than anybody else in Underhill and um, Lowe, and they didn't turn over a single ball between them. Yeah, I, because I don't think they've got the right stuff in front of them. I think they're always on the back foot because they're having to carry the rest of the team. Do you think Stuart Hooper's the right man for Bath? Well, I think Doug. I think Doug's saying no. I think I'm. I think I'm saying no for now. I'm not sure. I'm. I'm saying no forever. I think. I think. I think club infrastructure. I'm not disagreeing with what you're saying, Doug, in terms of the coaches really important and you've seen that from Chris Boyd you've seen that from uh, the chap at Worcester um, Gary Gold Gary Solomon. Gold Solomon. Solomon. Solomon's yeah who's, South African Alan Partridge yeah <laughs> who's, who's, who's turned them from a scraping the bottom of the barrel to a mid-table kind of team um, I think there's something wrong something's been wrong with the club full stop across the board for probably seven to ten years, in the same way that it has for Leicester, and they've relied historically on having a handful of of gold star players, but they're just filling in the, the rest of the team with players that aren't up to the the rest of the squad, with players that aren't up to aren't up to scratch. If you could take five or six players out of Saracens, you could take five or six players out of Exeter, you could probably take five or six players out of half a dozen other teams and the team would be exactly the, the same quality as it was before. You could probably throw Harlequins in there, take half a dozen players out and they'll still be the same kind of team that they were before. Take five or six players out of Bath and all of a sudden you're complaining that they're crap. Well, 
that means your squad isn't homogenised enough. It isn't, it isn't stable enough as a squad. It's a great word, that, Phil. Well played. That's what they do to that milk. Mean, uh, the milk's got no bacteria in it. No, that's, <laughs> that's pasteurised. <laughs> oh, but, wow. But, but with, with Stuart Hooper, it seems to me like he's a poor man's Martin Johnson. You know Martin Johnson was given the England team? You didn't yeah. really have a vision. You didn't have a clue. I went to the opening game of the season, Bristol Bath, and I've never seen anything like it. I grew up. Uh, going to the memorial grounds, I remember getting thumped by Bath 60 0. It was one of the, like the eight games Simon Gagan played for Bath and he scored a brace. You know, I grew up with them just being the dominant force, the superstars. And I just think Stuart, I just think Stuart Hooper, and I might be doing him a disservice here, I don't think he has a clue how to play it. You've got you're right in the fact that the squad's not there, he's got two mediocre squads fly halves he couldn't they couldn't recruit a decent fly half you you just don't know what they're going to play and then it, and then they seem to be giving away stupid games like against Ulster and you know if I was a Bath fan I'd be so frustrated yeah. but but if you look at their recruitment over the last as I say seven to ten years you, you get guys like so the the players that you've mentioned who are out injured Russ they're they're Bath players through and through they've come through the academy and you can throw Zach Mercer in there as well the players that they've recruited you've got the likes of Tom Homer who they keep flogging who has one good run in a game and then the rest of it's completely anonymous like he's don't get me wrong I think he's an all right squad player but he wouldn't be your first choice fullback in any premiership team um and and you look at who they've recruited over the last five to seven years it's it's not good enough yeah, agree. And you look at you look at your Jamie Roberts, who, with the greatest of respect, has had a great career. But he's he's done. You know, he's not going to have the impact that he once had. Then you've got the likes of Max Wright and Max Clark, and you know, you saw in that opening game of the season against Bristol. You know, they didn't. They literally were the most toothless thing I think I've ever seen, and it was just it, so. I say unbath like, but like Doug mentioned there, what what are Bath now? What are they? To me, to me, it seems like they rugby. You can look at the bottom half of the Premiership, and you can almost say that they're sort of stuck in this limbo between amateurism and professionalism. There's there's like the chairman's buddy, the player who's been around forever, Stuart Hooper, is a great bloke. We can't lose him out of the club because he's integral to the club. Everyone knows him. He knows the cleaning lady. So well, we can get him helping around. We'll give him director of rugby. Don't give him director of rugby. Stick him in a tie and get him shaking hands at, at corporates. You know or what I mean? Give, him, give him the academy. Go, go do some work on the academy. Yeah, they need to get. Well, why? He's got no track record of being able to develop. But then that's how that's how you get the track record. Right. But my my point would be that these clubs who want to be professional entities and, and, you know, they're paying the money for players like they're, you know, the be all and end all. They need to get more cutthroat about this. So, so, so let's just need to bin off. Like Murphy's not working, bin him off. Yeah. 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 So here's it. How, when, and three I, and games I, to keep them up. And I don't like, and I don't like using like comparing rugby to football in this way. Right. But if you look at, if you look at football, and when football clubs have made romantic appointments as manager, look at Kenny Dalglish coming back to Liverpool. Yeah. Look at you know it. Te- Alan Shearer at Newcastle. 
it it tends not to work out too well on the whole. And Stuart Hooper at Bath, for me, is a bit of a romantic appointment. They've made him director of rugby. They haven't got any... I mean, if you think when Blackadder was, was, was director of rugby, he had Toby Booth with him, who was a premiership co- first-team coach in his own right um, beforehand. And you've thrown Stuart, Stuart Hooper in there. Is it Gordon Darcy, the backs coach, or Gervin Dempsey? I always get them confused. Yeah, Gervin Dempsey. 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 Um, you know, you look at the calibre of coaches that Stuart Hooper's got working for him. It's not like he's got great, a great deal of experience to call upon in his coaching team either. So he he's he's really stuck between a rock and a hard place for me. And And like I say, the romantic appointment of coaches... Is well, not yeah, is well, not the way forward. It's a business decision. Well, the one, the one that I, the example I would cite would be the NFL, where they're finding young coaches with good ideas and promoting them to positions where they can influence. So you look at you look at um, Sean McVay, who's the wheels have slightly fell off there, but and and Kyle Shanahan, these coaches with real good ideas. Northampton was smart. They saw Sam Vesti had good ideas. He was getting Worcester playing good rugby, and they threw a checkbook at him. Bath need to go out and identify these assistant coaches around the Premiership, around France, around the international rugby, assistant coaches who have got good ideas, who are spoken highly of, and bring them in. Not get someone who is a player six months removed from training with the lads that is now coaching and, and say to him, right, the keys are yours, mate. They've, they've completely shafted Stuart Hooper. He, he wanted to be, what he should have been was... Um, to use some kind of military parlance, he, he wanted to be a sergeant. He wanted to be go and be be a coach, be part of the coaching setup, learn a bit of stuff from people more experienced, so that at some stage he can take the next step up. But they've gone. So here you go, his director of rugby. Uh, yeah, 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 totally. Um, here you go, his director. Oh no, director rugby position. What support am I going to have? Well, you're on your own. It's up to you. Yeah. I, I agree. Um, let's let's slide away from uh, from Bath. We've we've uh, we're, we're genuinely kicking them when they're on the floor at the moment. That, that was actual so, real uh, rugby chat there with zero partridge references. <laughs> it's probably the longest we've ever gone. I know. Yeah, it's incredible. Um, let's move on to to Saturday where we've got another well two teams that are in a similar boat to Bath and we spoke about them you know we, we did mention with dispatches obviously uh, let's start with Exeter against Wasps um, we talk about teams of identities we talk about clubs with structure and vision and you know uh, being an Exeter supporter or Exeter follower whatever you, you want to say you know they lead for me in in a lot of areas where other other clubs should follow as far as structure goes, I think as far as as far as the way they approach things, I mean, you look at the the team that they put out on on Saturday: um, Cowan, Dickey, Dolman, Ewers, Hill, uh, Moon, Noel, O'Flaherty, Steenson, Witten, and Harry Williams. You know, all of those players have come through Exeter as a as a youth, I believe. Um, somebody, I'm sure, will correct me if I'm wrong. Then you've got the likes of Hendrickson, Hepburn. Uh, Lonsdale, Maunder, both Simmons brothers, Marcus Street on the bench. They put 
wasps to the absolute sword on Saturday. 38-3, they did not give them a sniff. Um, young Jacob Umanga started at 10 for wasps. <laughs> Looked with the best will in the world, looks so far out of his depth against that Exeter side. I think, you know, he'd recently signed his first professional contract last week, I believe. And it was really, it was a real, but especially when you've got Jimmy Goppoff on the pitch as well. Yeah, I've, I've never been, I, I, I've worked on a few England under twenties games with him playing. And I've never been convinced by him. He just, what, I don't what know. Probably, what the manga name, obviously, a... yeah. Helps. Well, you probably need in such a pivotal position when you're you're just kind of learning about your teammates and how they play is to get chucked in against one of the best teams in the league. Yeah, I mean, especially when you've got Sopo, you've got Sopo Wanger on the you've got Sopo Wanger on the bench, and Jimmy Gopoff outside. You know, surely a, a smart man goes, "Well, we're going to Sandy Park. Let's try and keep it tight for as long as possible. Let's just play as many as we can, and and we'll we'll throw him on last. If the game is if the game is up or whatever, let's let's throw him on and see what he can do, or, and let's let's give him a shout. Or has a smart man gone? We're we'll just get, write it off. We're going to get pumped. Let's save Lima Sopoanga for when we can play in a game that we can win, and and ruin this kid before he's even got a chance. Let yeah. let me let me give you two words: die young, <laughs> live fast. Yeah. So old old Ricky Grover Buller is uh, to, to me. <laughs> I I think it's a custom made thirty uh, eight inch neck shirt. <laughs> yeah, um, I I just think to me he made he he made a bit of a a tactical error or um, a a squad error and and put the young lad in and whether Sopwanger would have made that much difference. Who knows? It seems, because it, it seems to me at the moment that Di Young's making his team selections and recruitment while you know, sort of, it, it's almost eat, like eat, eating chicken with Kieran Brooks. Do you want to sign, mate? And he looks up from a pork pie and he's like, I don't know. Um, you know, we'll, we'll play Umanga today. Fine, done. Because he wants to get back to his pork pie. <laughs> you know I mean? It's like him not really thinking about it. Him and Kieran Brooks sharing all-you-can-eat Pizza Hut lunches. <laughs> Somebody who's asked him a question whilst he's digging around the corner of the sausage meat with his finger to get the jelly out, and he's just yeah. a bit distracted. <laughs> now, there, there is a programme that could be made. Die Young and Kieran Brooks on a, a UK version of Man V Food. I, I think we'd have a lot of bankrupt businesses. Man V Pork Pie. Um... After we've just been basically, like I say, kicking bath while we're on the floor, Ryan, what do you make? What do you make of wasps at the moment? It's well, there's three. There's three teams we can have very, very similar conversations about, and, and we'll come on to the the next one in a minute. But as far as wasps go, what do you what do you reckon? I, again, I just think that they look that when they had Cipriani at ten a couple of seasons ago, you thought, wow, it just seems at the moment they're just not clicking. I mean, I don't know if the foundations are not there with the pack, but they've got some quality players. Who's in the back row? Willis Brothers? Uh, yeah, it was uh, Jack Willis, uh, Tom Willis. Is it Tom Willis? And it must have been uh, Nizam Khar. I think things are happening behind the scenes. Now, you know, my old paper, The Mail, did an article last season where there was this uproar about the training facilities and things like that. And, Let's face it, no one wants to move to Coventry. They were, all went. They said, oh, yeah, we're going to do it. 
they're playing in an empty stadium. Um, I heard that they're in this like local club, and actually the the training facilities are really basic. They're all living in Leamington Spa. Uh, I just don't know. I think there's things going on behind the scenes that are going on to the pitch. So you guys have you guys have nailed it here tonight. All the top teams know what they're doing. You know Exeter, they come out. You know what they're going to do and play, and every all the players know it. You look at uh, Saracens, the same. You even look at Worcester. You know Worcester, they all know what they're doing. They're all going to do it. Wasps, they don't seem. They seem to just be throwing it around side to side. It just seems. It just doesn't seem it's got that penetrating attack that it used to. It yeah. lacks the X factor. And I think it's because of the players, because they've got the ability and the talent in the, that squad. I think something's going on behind the scenes. Well, but, you just, just but, look at Sapoanga and Feketoa, and they're having no effect on... They seem to be having no effect on games whatsoever. And it's just like... You would expect Feketoa to just be absolutely marmalising people and just you know running, running the show, but it's just not happening. But then their, their game plan was centred around Cipriani and the magic effect. And they accepted a degree of revolving door, but they had Jimmy Gopeth controlling. They they always looked their best when they had Cipriani bringing the magic, Jimmy Gopeth as a controlling instinct around him. And it looks like they're trying to do the same, but with different personnel. And it's like we said, we said with England, when Billy's missing, in some ways, as long as you don't try and play the same style of rugby, they look a more balanced side. When yeah. he's there, when, when they try and get Nathan Hughes playing Billy ball, it doesn't work. I, I think one of the most underrated departures, and he's been tearing it up for Gloucester, is Joe Simpson. How they yeah. ever how they ever let Joe Simpson go, um, especially with all the, the injuries that Dan Robson had. And Dan Robson's a fantastic scrum half, but he can't do it all on his own every week for 80 minutes. Him and Joe Simpson used to they had a very, you know, a, a great sort of one-two sort of punch effect as far didn't as you signed, particular... they signed someone from Gloucester though didn't they who's the who's the lad ah uh, Velikot Velikot yeah. yeah and he got injured in the sevens didn't he the Premier yeah. Sevens yeah. he did that's why he's not yeah been... thanks and, he, and, and if you watched him in that sevens match he was awesome but I couldn't believe it yeah, so you know, maybe that that's unfortunate and that happens, but you know, you just got to see the the effect that Joe Simpson's had on its performances for Gloucester this season to to know that you know it must it, you'd be regretting letting him go. That's for certain. Um, let's move on to the to the the last team that really lack a bit of a sense of direction. Who used to be a, a powerhouse in English rugby, uh, Leicester Tigers, who lost at Northampton, who remained top of the league. Um, not just top of the league, mate. Points clear at the top. Even points. if Saris had no points reduction, we would still be top of the league. Yeah, let's, and let's not forget that. Absolutely, and let's praise. And we've mentioned Chris Bro- Chris Boyd, and let's praise Northampton before we go go in on Leicester. Is that Northampton drifted along for a long time under under Malinder? They went through the doldrums, just not probably as bad as Leicester and, and Wasps are going through now. Um, but they Watch, went through some. They Go went back and some, listen to some of those podcasts. Yeah, that's true. But they they went through some pretty pretty dire mediocrity. Let's be honest. And and as a Saints fan, Doug, it must be really exciting to to see a team now with direction, with coaching, with exciting young players, with you know, with real drive and and vigor. The best thing about it is is the fact that a lot of the lads have come through the academy. We've made some really astute signings. Dan Bigger was amazing, an amazing signing. Um, 
but you look at the players we've got that have been there forever, you know, basically the whole front row. Um, with Owen Franks pulling out, we had our usual front row. Then you've got, you know, all those players, slight, we've got slight home. Um, you know what I'm like with names. You know all the players. Grayson, Dingle, Grayson, Furbank. Grayson, uh, Furbank, uh, the other fella, you know, the other one, all of them, all the fellas. We've got them all coming through. <laughs> there's, a bit, there's a bit of an Exeter vibe about that. There's a bit of a, you know, a golden generation of Saints youngsters coming through. Saracens have benefited from a, a generation of youngsters coming through and hopefully Saints can as well. If we can hold on to them, it'll be incredible. George Furbank will be the next England fullback. I hope so. Long term, I mean, I love... unbelievable player, unbelievable. He, yeah. Um... So he reminds me a lot of a really, really talented Ben Foden. <laughs> now, so, so, so when when Ben Foden first sort of burst on burst onto the scene, he wasn't quite sure: is he a nine? Is he a fullback? Is he a wing or whatever? And then he started playing fullback regularly, and everybody went, "Wow, this this guy is decent. This guy's very very good. He's quick. He's got vision. He's got a good boot. He's uh, got great hands. He can pick a line." And then, then he married a singer. Then, and... then he married a singer. Yeah, and began. <laughs> believe in his own hype whereas well we don't know whether what will happen with george furbank but he absolutely looks the real deal and in amongst that northampton side with with what are essentially his mates your tom collins your hutchinson's your grayson's that makes all the difference and no matter what anybody he says you, you play rugby and you enjoy it with your mates you were probably going to be more successful than when you just throw a load of guys together, either journeyman and a couple of superstars, you know, a la Wasps and probably Leicester, that, you know, aren't a team. They're not, they're not cohesive. It's just, it's just the, the whole, you can only do it if you're lucky enough to get a generation of players. Now, Leicester have handled quite a talented generation of players that they had in that sort of Thacker era that they've handled them terribly and, and they've gone for name recognition and um, big money over backing their youngsters. And they've, they've sold, if you look through the premiership, it's littered with Leicester players that if they had kept hold of them, they'd be in a pretty good spot right now. You know, Graham Kitchener turned out for Worcester on the weekend. You know, um, I know he's getting on, but he was a Leicester boy. Well, he, you know, he he was a player that you could rely on. You, you're looking at. You can't tell me you want the the grunt of Tom Youngs is somewhat better than, or Pelotta now is better than what Harry Thacker is doing at at Bristol. You know. A lot of the players they've kept on, they've kept on for sentimental reasons and they're not good enough. They're, I, they're just not good enough. I read a statistic. Apparently, Manu Tuolagi only carried the ball for seven positive metres on Saturday. Seven. It's crazy. Yeah, it's, I mean, just, it's just madness. That guy, I, I'm, I, had the, I had that conversation with yesterday. I had a conversation with someone yesterday. I'm pretty sure he's going to the 
Toronto. I'm, I'm almost certain he's going to join Toronto in the end of the season to, to go to rugby league. You reckon? Yeah. I think he's going Sonny somewhere. Sonny Williams is on 85 grand a week. He'll go, he'll go somewhere, definitely. That's, that's football weight. That's like he's, premiership that's, football weight. That's well, fact. He's on 85 grand a week with a stake of ownership. And Tuolangi will get, I mean, half of that. He's not. He's not going to be. He's not going to be looking in four years' time at the World Cup. I don't think because his body's held together with tape. So he's going to go. I need a payday. I I can see him go definitely. Um, but actually, I think when you look at Leicester and you look at Northampton and their journeys, going back to to what does a coach do? I think there's some some fairly telling stuff there in terms of um, both sides would have some people that would fit into solid international, good international, possibly verging on world-class players. So you've got your, your likes of Reinach, you've got your, your Courtney Laws, you've got your George Norths, Dan Biggers, you've got your Tuolangis. And both sides were struggling trying to work out how you can get those international players to play as part of a team with some other guys that are kind of there or thereabouts. And what Northampton have done is they've gone, actually, we really trust in our academy and we're going to keep pushing on with these kids. We're not going to make, I don't know, did they make any significant signings over the the summer? Oh, Matt um, Proctor. Matt Proctor, uh, yeah. yeah. But, but uh, the, bulk, the bulk of that squad's the Franks. same. Oh, and Franks, yeah, that was it, yeah. really. Yeah, the bulk of that squad is the same. Um, and what Leicester have done is they've kept on trying to buy some magic to fix the problem and carry on keeping trying to play things in a certain way. And you saw it from the instant that um, that Northampton changed their, their managerial direction, that the way they were playing was completely different and it was starting to click. And it's just taken, I don't know, how long has he been there? Eight months? Eight, nine months? Something mm. like that? No, it's about a year now, I think. Yeah, Northampton yeah. coach. Okay, didn't so, he take over this time? Like, this isn't, time it, isn't it like year. a, a yeah. season? And so, no, he's had a full season. He had a full season last yeah. season, isn't he? So it was a but full it, season last season. Then he had half the season before. So I think okay, that's... So, so during last season, what you saw is that that progression of getting that that team awareness together, and then a full a full preseason in, and then they come back, and it's and it's just there. It's got to the stage. There were signs. They there now signs. have exactly. Um, and, and they were just struggling to put it all together. And you can guarantee if Malander was still there, they would they would still have Stephen Myler and they'd still be flogging Harry Malander, trying to find a position for him to to fit into that team. And, and you still have Malander's got a place in the team. It's, he, it's, it's just he's been he does, the... but they but, but they were trying to they're almost trying to make the team around him at, at some mm. stages. Um, Shocking then, that Jim Malander would try and mould the team around his around son. His son. I know player isn't it <laughs> um, but it just seemed like they were they just didn't really know what they were trying to do now they know what they're trying to do it's working and Leicester you look at them and you go what what is your game plan your game yeah. plan looks like it's the Leicester game plan from the 90s but with a squad that looks nothing like it in terms of abilities yeah Ryan you um you were mentioning that you knew somebody was at the game in the weekend and uh, has passed yeah, on my- a little bit of information so my colleague was, he's a big Saints fan, and I said to him, but look, I don't, you know, I saw what's happening with Saints, it was all great, what went wrong with Leicester? He said exactly what you just said, they tried 
you, when, when you played Leicester in the 90s or even 10 years ago, you knew what they were going to do. They were going to come out and let's face it, they were going to do what Exeter do now and just smash you up there, there get yeah. you right up there. And he said, I said to him, what went wrong? He said, the line-outs, they didn't have a scrum. He said, the worst of all is that they had no strategy. They had no game plan. So Ben Young's kick to, their, to Saints' back three, probably the one of the most dangerous back threes in, in the whole league. Now, what kind of game plan is that? Is, who's coming up with that? Jordan Murphy? <laughs> you know, I just, don't, I just think they've just... Uh, it's a tip. Them and Saracens are a, uh, it, it perfectly in one weekend is a tale of two teams. Saracens bring all their England players black in, they click, they get the job done, and they look like they can play together and do it. Leicester put all their England players in, and they look a weaker side, just because I don't know, they don't know what they're doing, there's no game plan, there's no strategy, that they think maybe it's, oh, this is a bit more relaxing than playing in Japan. I mean, you've got players like Ellis Genge, Dan Coles, you've got four out of the seven England, eight England back line. It's just what are they doing? Yeah, but who's higher up the table? Exactly. Exactly. Uh, well, <laughs> exactly. I think, they, I think that, is there an element of they're almost saying, well, we've got our England players back. Just go out and play rugby. You're better than them. Yeah. Just, yeah. just, go, just go out there yeah. and do it. Yeah. You guys are great. Win the game. Done. Yeah. Does anyone know if they've had their Monday morning meeting? <laughs> I, yeah. The, the, the club is... And look, I love it. I, as a Saints fan, I absolutely love like, you know, seeing Saracens minus 18 points and Leicester on four while Northampton are sitting pretty at the top of the league is pretty bloody nice. I'm, I'm not going to lie. It's, it's a really enjoyable experience at the moment. It's about as good as it gets for you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that weekend when Leicester lost, Saracens had got their... You know, it was heavily rumoured they were getting there fine. Northampton had just beaten them and then England beat New Zealand. I mean, I almost just jumped off a bridge. It was like, well, you know, today's, <laughs> today's the greatest day in, his, in the history of days. I'm just going to end it all. But, um, yeah, they... I hate the... Exp- you know, those sort of cliche Root and branch needs to be overhauled. You know, it needs to be chopped down burnt at the roots and everything started again unfortunately how do you get rid of a board of directors that seem intent on making decisions that aren't in the best interest of the club how do you get rid of jordan murphy without alienating your fan base relegation i I do still think a lot of the leicester fans want him there you know, it's, it's that no. romanticism again, though, isn't it? How do you how do you get rid of a player like Ben Youngs? So there was, oh, a, Tom, there was Tom, a rumor on Twitter Tom the other day. Tom that, Youngs is a big problem. Well, Tom, there was a, there was a rumor on Twitter today uh, a couple of days ago about Ben Youngs potentially signing for Northampton because his contract's up at Leicester. All the Northampton fans were saying, "We don't want him." And then someone was saying, oh, it's just his agent. And then all the Leicester's, Leicester fans were saying, well, we don't want him either. You sign him. We don't want him. It's like, this is the England scrum half. No one wants him. It's incredible. It's, it's crazy, isn't it? I mean, how old is Ben Youngs? Do we know how old he is? I think he may be immortal, mate. It seems like he's been around. I think he was made out of the cut-up parts of Harry Ellis 
and uh, <laughs> reanimated. Yeah, oh, I mean, the last time I saw Harry Harry Ellis play rugby, he was basically dressed as a mummy. He had that, but <laughs> he had that much bandage on. I just thought, God, this this guy's literally going to fall apart. So when you say he's made up of the the component parts of of Harry Ellis and a and other, I think you might not be far off. He's thirty. Um, he's have, 30. You seen the, have you seen the rumor about Ford going to sale? Finally, they could compete financially. Exactly. <laughs> is this why the relegation people, clause? Is this why, is why this what's coming? They've got McGinsey and Dupree. Why? Why? And they've got um, Redpath. Yeah. Why would he go to sale? I I think the logical place for him to go would probably be Wasps. He get paid a lot of money. Yeah. They need a fly. They you know, or Newcastle when they come back up if he wants to be yeah. up north. Yeah, I, th- I think Wasps. You I mean you look at what you know the way Cipriani played with Wasps, and George Ford has got the 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 ability to run games in a similar way to to Danny Cipriani with the open, expansive, uh, expansive style. So you know maybe that maybe that is a way that, that they would look to go. But again, you're paying Lima Sopoaga a, a lot of money. Mm. Would they would they take on George Ford as well? Who knows. Um, but obviously, you know, Ben Youngs to Northampton when um, Jacobus Reinach goes to sell Jacobus. his wife. Did I call him Jacobus? I'm good with names. Jacobus. Jacobus. So is, it, is that an NFL player? Isn't isn't that his his full name? Jacobus Reinach. Or is it just Cobus Reinach? Just Cobus, mate. Okay, mate. Thanks. And, you know, and, when, and, when he, and when he leaves at the end of this season... Um, Rumours so are going at Christmas. Russ really? is actually right. It is Jacobus. Is it really? Jacobus Meyer Reinach. Like, like <laughs> Jamarcus. Um, uh, uh, I'm, I'm, wait, I'm waiting, mate. Are you not getting it? It's not coming. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not surprised. Um, when, he, when he disappears off to sell his um, luxury wine racks. The, 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 yeah, <laughs> velvet wine rack. Um, the the rumour is that he's going in January. Because, like, transfer fee from Montpellier. Yeah. I'm, you know, fair play to him, as I've said before. But if you're you're winning, like, in Europe and you're top of the league, do you think he would then go? I reckon he'll pre-sign. For the double double the money? I reckon he would pre-sign to go in the summer, but he'd hang around for some trophies. Maybe. I I don't think so. I think... It might not be his decision if if Montpellier come with a, a huge offer. It might not be his decision. It's always his decision. He doesn't have to sign a contract. No, but sale. Yeah, Saints can sell sell his sell his rights. Yeah, I well, it'll be it'll be disappointed to see him go mid season, and that it kind of that that then. Would that then open the floodgates? Do you think? Well, maybe not the floodgates, but would then that set a bit of a precedent. You don't see. How often do you see any sort of inter-season transfers or like the the football transfer window? Or whatever? You don't see mid-season transfers. You see all the pre-contract uh, agreements. And stuff. Ma- Marlon Yard. Yeah, I I think <laughs> basically say yeah. I, I think a lot of these players that leave mid-contract are actually sold for money, especially like I think um, uh, when Saints lost the French number eight, who pick them all. That that was for money. That was a transfer. That wasn't a 
because he still had time left at Saints. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if Elliot Daly some money changed hands there. Oh God, you don't. We, so. did, we didn't even we didn't even talk about Elliot. Good. We didn't even <laughs> talk about Elliot Daly. Let's not even go into that. Um, let's skip on Doug. You were at, you were at um, six ways on Saturday for Worcester against Sale. Um, red card. Did it have as much bearing on the on the game as what it looks like? Well, Sale were winning when they went down to fourteen. I... Yes, his shoulder hit him in the face. Yes, frameworks, blah, frame, you know, safety, blah, 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 player protection, blah, blah. Don't want people to get hurt, little Timmy. Um, wasn't, you know, Graham Kitchener did a good job of, sell it, of selling it. Um, and by the letter of the law, yes, it is a it is a red card, but it's bullshit, man. It's bullshit. I haven't. I haven't actually seen the incident. I did see um, Faf de Klerk running pretty much the length of the field to to then have a bit of a fight as well, which was just like I say a fight. It was a bit well. Bad, Rat bad, Man, ridiculous. Ratman was chasing him down and, and just flopped on him <laughs> after he touched the ball down. <laughs> so you know, it was it was stupid from Ratman, but you know. Bless him, though. Ram man, he was probably doing his best just to the just two to keep smallest up. fellas in the ground having a punch up. <laughs> you know, the funniest, the funniest thing about it was uh, my my mate Carl was on on the camera in the corner that got hit by them as they were scrapping, and he was like six inches taller than them. <laughs> <laughs> and he's a big rugby league fan, Carl. He's from St Helens, and uh, <laughs> he said after the game like he wanted to like you know when you drag someone off by their ears. <laughs> an, ang- an angry potato and an extra from Bucks Fears having a little scrap in the corner. <laughs> um, what? How what, funny I mean... would it be if, if uh, Faf de Klerk, uh, when the referee blew blew the the, the kick off whistle, that he just ripped off his skirt and revealed a pair of red pants and played the rest of the <laughs> <laughs> or as, as, as he's running through but first you gotta speed it up <laughs> and he goes he goes from ruck to ruck going speed it up slow it down yeah. <laughs> gotta play around <laughs> oh that's ridiculous uh, um sale game i do i'm gonna be chuckling to myself uh, but Worcester, you know, Worcester have started okay. They were probably some, you know, in some quarters seem to be potentially down the bottom of the league. Um, they, they, we talked about coaching earlier and uh, the the effect that Alan Solomons has had on Worcester. They've built a really sort of just a solid squad, haven't they? They've got a sprinkling, you know, with the likes of um Who Hard. Um I, I absolutely love Ryan Mills as a player. I think he's I think he's excellent. Started um, on the bench. He did, but he's I mean he is a good player. They 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 rely on him quite a lot, don't they? Um and then you've got the likes of Perry Humphreys, you've got youngsters like uh, Lewis and Ted Hill who are both excellent back rowers. And Ted they're good say again, Ted Hill is incredible. Incredible. Yeah. Very good player, and and they seem to be they seem to be not necessarily going for survival mode, but they're just they're going down the line of we're just going to be as solid as possible. We're going to have as little disruption during international windows, and we will we will just continue to to accumulate points. And you know, it's it's not a bad way to go about it when when you're not a I say an attractive club 
Well, they they probably don't have pockets as deep as some of the other chairmen. Um, I mean, sale don't have deep pockets, mate. You know, they can't compete financially. They can't compete for. Well, yeah, it will need to be born in the context of a salary cap. So Worcester probably can't afford even up to the salary cap, whereas Sale can't afford to compete with those that go beyond the salary cap, so the rest of the Premiership. Um, but they have a real rugby identity. They play a, a format of rugby that they know, that they understand, um, and we have all played in teams with star players, standout players, and we've played in teams with... 15 guys who know each other and know what they're going to do. And every time you, you'd pick the latter. You'd rather not have the star players and have people who know what they're doing than have star players and, and no idea what everybody else is going to do. Um, and that's what Worcester do. And that's why they're sitting pretty in the premiership at the moment. And yeah, they're, they're, their target is still probably not being in a relegation scrap. Yeah. But they've, done, they've done a bloody good start to that. Three Just... wins out of five. Just, just, uh, just have interest. We, we always used to give Gloucester a bit of a bad rep for the amount of South Africans they had, they've got in their squad. Guess how many South Africans started for sale on Saturday? I mean, you probably know the answer to this already, Doug. But five, five. Ryan, have a little. Uh... Oh, yeah, seven. It was. It was seven South Africans. You had uh, De Klerk, two uh, John Luke Dupria. Robert Dupria, uh, Ustazen, Jono Ross, who's technically a South African, although qualified has qualified for England, Van der Merwe and Johan van Rensburg. That's that's a lot. That's a lot of South Africans in, in one to, in one side. And then you've got Ashton, the Curry brothers, Hammersley and Solomona, with an American and a and a Russian and a and a what's Evans? Is he New Zealand? He's Australian, isn't he? Evans is uh, Kiwi. Kiwi, I just I'm just looking at the flag and I couldn't tell the difference. Um, <laughs> no one can. Yeah, I don't think it will be too long before the Premiership instigate a sort of quota level because you can get three South Africans for the price of one really good Englishman, um, and Sale are taking it to the extreme. But Worcester have got the most, as we discovered last week in our riveting uh, in our riveting um, marquee player chat that was. Really well received. Um, <laughs> that, got, that, got, that got some really good feedback. Yeah, um, uh, Adam, Adam Rainey, one comment was, please never play guest the marquee player ever again. <laughs> um, Worcester have got the most foreigners in their squad, but yeah, South Africa, have, uh, you know, if you can get an ex-South Africa international for the price you're paying for an academy kid, you're going to do it, isn't it? Yeah, and like you say, they they there are some very good South Africa. I mean, you look at the the Dupria brothers, and uh, there are some very solid, you know, very beefy South African players. But when you're paying them, well, x amount of rand to the pound, you know, I guess agent fees. And we had this discussion last week, didn't we, about how yeah. much they would get paid and, and knowing the market value. But you're right. I think there there would there would be a certain element of that. That that going on, um, let's crack on because we're uh, we're absolutely well, not dragging our heels, but we, we're milking it. We, today, we are milking it. Hey, we got we've got a guest, and we'll keep him here for as long as humanly possible. <laughs> <laughs> um, let's let's go to Ashton Gate, Ryan. Your Bears, um, who've started the season fantastically. 
Uh, Doug, you were there as well. <sighs> Throwing away a, uh, well, snatching a draw from the, the jaws of victory. Yeah. Uh, sorry, sorry, sorry. I've, I've just got a message. I, I'm going to have to go in a couple of minutes. So can I just wrap up? Yeah, mate. Say about this game and then I'm going to have to shoot. Okay, mate. Um, sorry, Ryan. Um, two, two things. The only two things I want to say about this game, London Irish look really good. Bristol look really good. Um, but they're only going to go so far because neither team has got the muscle. Both teams had five or both teams had uh, chances from five metres out and couldn't. They had multiple phases where they couldn't get over the line. Extra Saracens, they're getting over the line. So they're only going to go so far in that regard. The other thing I wanted to say was um, Andy Urin had a really bad game. Don't think he's a bad player, but he had a really bad game. Um, why do teams insist when they're winning with three or four minutes to go on box kicking back to the opposition? It boils my piss. You know, they're, they're up They're up by five, seven points. London Irish are up. They scored a try. They were up seven minutes ago. They get the ball back. Just trundle it up, milk five minutes off the clock, and then kick it. Don't, in the second phase after a kickoff, kick the ball straight back against a team that have got a reputation of being able to score from anywhere. It's always going to happen. Um, London Irish will go as far as Stephen Myler can take them, which is probably just enough to stay up. Um, for me, they've recruited in the wrong areas. They shouldn't have signed Naholo. They should have gone after a proper fly half because Myler, you know, he was good 10 years ago. He, he's a game manager now. Unless they've got someone waiting in the academy that they think is not quite ready yet, they need to go out and maybe, maybe George Ford next season. Could be an option. Functional. I thought. I thought it was well. Paddy Jackson. I thought he was supposed to be the the guy that was going to come in and, and take up that mantle. But obviously, he was he was playing fullback. Um, but what what did you make of it, Ryan? Sorry. I've got to go, boys. I'll, uh, <laughs> come we'll to it. See you later. Bye, John. Bye. Yeah. Go. So, go. Go. So, um, hats off to London Irish. They're a really hard team. Their defence. We were camped on their line, like we were just saying, for the last 10 minutes. If you look at all our tries, we scored them out wide. We went round them, like like Bristol last season. Nathan Hughes, Chris Foy, everyone battered their line, and we couldn't get past them. They were up for it. And you know what? They're a, they're a good side. They are probably one of the best relegated sides I've seen come up. Uh, you know, promoted sides, sorry. Um, yes, Andy Urin had a shocker. So did Callum Sheedy. He missed kicks. He's, um, you know, he's some game, some games he's got a hundred percent record. Even Yoan Lloyd, who's not missed a kick for us, came on and missed a kick. So we did throw away the game. Am I really upset about it? Do I think it's going to knock our season? No. Hopefully, it'll give us a kick up the backside against Stade Francais next weekend, who are in disarray. You know, you talk about Leicester and uh, Bath and Wasps in this country. I don't know what's happening to Stade Francais over in France at the moment. Yeah. So you know. I have I, the look on Pat Lamb's face said it all and that's how far we've come we have high standards it didn't click we'll just have to go back and work on it again yeah and and Bristol have put themselves in a in a position where to be disappointed 
and rightly so by a result such as that or a performance such as that it just goes to show how far they they have actually come in the last 18 months or so because you know when they first come up everyone was all big spending bristol are they going to go straight back down again is it going to be a disaster you know they they performed above expectations last season and this season they've been i mean they've been superb and the likes of um Yoan Lloyd, who I thought has been super when he's come off the bench in the games that I've seen him, I think he's been he's been phenomenal. Um Piers O'Connor, who I think has that. been has been really, really good and and somewhat underrated. His performances have kind of fallen by the wayside because everyone's raving about talking about Piertau and um Morahan and, and people like that. It's like, you know, the the unsung heroes of of this team. Your Joe Joyce's, your Ed Holmes, you know, your Dan Thomas's. Dan Thomas, yeah. yeah. Yeah, absolutely. You know. But everything's much, pointing in the right direction for Bristol. As much as they've gone out and they've got some marquee players, not in a financial sense necessarily, but they've gone out and got some got some really, like, your, your Charlie Pietos, your um, Nathan Hughes's. Um, I doubt John Afoa is overly cheap. Um They've also bought a lot of squad players um, and they've brought through and kept with them a lot of squad players as well. And they've got a lot more balance around that squad rather than just going for a few stars and ignoring the rest of it. But that's that's the the squad cohesion, is it? That season in the championship where they bought together a lot of that squad, bought them together to to make a charge to stay in the Premiership last season and and then progress again. I mean, like you said, your, your Andy Arends, um, I think, uh, you know, picking up Max Laheef, I think it was a bit of a, a bit of a masterstroke after his sort of French thing fe- fell through. That's fantastic. I mean, Stephen Luatua, who come over after being an, an all black and came and played a season in the championship, which was just, <laughs> it was just mental, but it showed, it showed what Pat Lamb was trying to achieve and people have really bought into that. And you just got to, you know, we, we've talked a lot tonight about coaching and, and I'll talk, you know, I'll mention about um, kidney and kiss in a second is that you saw what Pat Lamb did with Connacht you know, for, for over a, a good few years. And he turned them into the, the from the also rands of Irish rugby to really compete in. They won the, um, they won the Pro 12, as it was at the time. Was it Pro 12 or Pro 14 when, when Connacht won it? Either way, you know, that was a really big thing for Connacht, having never been anywhere close. He's bought that coach in. We know that he's a, he's a top-class coach. You look at uh, Declan Kidney and, and Les Kiss from Ulster and Ireland and being, you know, having genuine methods, having, having track record, having background and knowledge. And you can see the way that they're instilling that through that season in the championship, but they've prepared themselves in the right way to make a real crack at survival in the Premiership, following you know the almost the the Bristol method from last season. Yeah, um, and uh, Bristol obviously they're not seeing this as a short term stay up for a for a couple of seasons and then hang around relegation. What with the two bits of news that have come out over this last week, semi Randrandra signing for them, um, and also. 
the money they're investing in a new training facility. You know, the the only indoor, um, I think it's a 4G pitch, full size pitch. Where are they building? Where are they building that? Uh, up by Abbots Lee. Someone, somewhere near, somewhere near Bristol. <laughs> <laughs> Just the other side of the suspension bridge, literally. Right. Yeah, up the top. Is it up towards? Um, out towards St George, up to where where Bristol City is, is that where their training ground is? So up there, their training right? ground is the old QEH, right? yeah, like the old yeah, QEH yeah. at Phelan's. But no, they're a bit further towards uh, the motorway. You're going right, down okay. towards Portishead. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. But on on that on that road out, bit of uh, yeah, bit of more over, more over geography chat for you. Yeah, um, yeah out, but, out in the Portbury Road. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That not, way, that way up. Lee Woods. Yeah, not not the Woodstone. Oh, don't tell don't say things like that phil we'll have all sorts of <laughs> yeah protesters on our case um yeah we're not rebellion that's right oh, god don't give us that about that of any other business that more than more than once um but this season this season's a real opportunity for bristol i think with saracens dropping out the fact that anybody really can beat anybody especially in that sort of top eight and i'm going to go down to harlequins with that and you know that's not discounting bath wasps and and leicester but you know bristol have got a real shot of the playoffs this year a real shot and you know if they if they are you know on their metal on on that on the day on that playoffs you know you could easily see them in the in the final come come june the 20 Second June the twenty second, June the twenty third next year. It's... I'd rather I'd rather they gave the Challenge Cup a go. Really? Honest, yeah, I'd rather that because what I think is it's slowly, slowly. Don't you know what? What are we going to get? We'll probably get an away semi final and get smashed. I'd rather actually go down to Marseille, really put something in the Challenge Cup. You know, we nilled Breathe for the first time. They'd been nilled in fifty seven years the other week, yeah. and and we and we didn't have Piertau Hughes hardly any of our star players. So there's a real cohesion. And, and just to pick up on another point, we have brought a load of squad players and what Pat Lamb's done them, he's given them two things. He's given them a chance and he's upskilled them. He said, come down the training gap and they've just spent skills, 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 skills. So when you look at some of the, when you look at the highlights of Saturday, okay, we weren't the perfect team in defence, but you look at our tries and the skill level from one to 15, that's phenomenal. You've got yeah. people like Toby Fricker on the wing you got Ed Holmes, the second row, who didn't get a game of Exeter, beating three defenders, charging down the wing. It's just unbelievable, the fact that he's upskipped. So, you know, you can do things with players without spending money. If you get them in and do it, exactly. So this comes back to the first question. What can a coach or a person do? Loads, impact. Yeah. And, and we're talking about the clubs here. Who are the two people who have not that much experience in coaching or doing badly? Jordan Murphy and Stuart Hooper. So yeah. I think, you know, we've answered the question here, haven't we, tonight? And Di, and Di Young's too busy eating chicken. Before we just slide away from Bristol, are you, am I right in thinking that you're, uh, you're off to Stad this weekend? Are you off to Paris? No, no, uh, we're at home to Stad this oh, weekend. Oh, you are at home to Stad. You are going to Stad. Week, following weekend, I'm taking my wife to a romantic trip to Paris. Fantastic. And, um, a nine, nine o'clock kickoff at uh, Stade Jean Bouin. <laughs> I think it's so... Uh, do you know what the worst thing is? Have you guys ever been been away uh, to a French ground? No, um, I've not. You have tried, to go... tried to get tried to get into Toulouse in two thousand and three without oh, a I ticket. I've been to Toulouse. I've been failed, to Toulouse. failed miserably. I've been to Toulouse, but haven't seen Toulouse play. It was when Cash 
played Munster and they moved down to Toulouse because it was a big, bigger stadium. They wanted the money. and It was a last-minute Rods drop goal to win, so it was like a classic. But anyway, these French websites, this is just a word of warning, they, they don't sell the tickets for your club. You have to go on their website and it's all in French. Surprise, surprise. You have to put down what your social class is to buy the tickets. I had to get... <laughs> oh, wow. Honestly, I had to go get someone who's from Paris and French in my where I work and do it for me. And she, I said, well, what did you put down for me? She put office manager. I was like, oh, how do great. You, how do you spell middle class in French? <laughs> Bourgeois. Bourgeois. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love that. Yeah, so anyway, it's, it's the most ridiculous thing, but hopefully it's all there. Oh, look out. Douglas is back from his... I'm in the car, from, so I might for his, for his vehicle. He's not driving. He's parked up for, for any potential police people um, that might be listening. Um, but you won't catch him anyway, because he would have done it. would have happened. Um, let's very quickly, we'll just have a uh, very quick word about the BT Sport game from Sunday, which was uh, Harlequins versus Gloucester. Um a great win for Quinns, who, see, again, have, have been booted as having a bit of behind-the-scenes issues, a lot of potential players not discontented and um, you know, unhappy with some of Gustard's methods, maybe, or, or the way he's managing things. However, they beat Gloucester on Sunday, 23-19. And I, I watched um, the second half of this, so I missed both of... Thorley's tries in the first half, who I think is an exceptional player. And what impresses me about Ollie Thorley is just his ability to run straight. Wherever he is on the pitch, he runs straight. And he reminds me of, do you remember when, when Scott Gibbs used to get the ball years ago, he used to, he used to sprint and he would, he would slow down about, well, if he had a lot of space in front of him, he would slow down about, maybe 15, 10 to 15 metres before he reached contact. And then five metres before, he would then accelerate again. So he was always accelerating into contact. Whereas some people, if they run flat out, actually, by the time you get to contact, you're, you're almost going to be slowing down. Ollie Thorley does something very similar. Um, but his pace, the way he, the way he enters contact... There is no no view of, of any sort of slowing down. And I think, you know, sooner rather than later, I'd like to see him get a little nod on, on the international setup and, and pick up a couple of caps. Because, you know, with the greatest respect to, to McConaughey, he he blows him out of the water, as far as I'm concerned, in, in different ways. Um, but as far as, as, far as the convert, game goes... Could he be converted to centre? I I don't see why not. I think he would he would potentially make a really really good thirteen because he's got he's got the pace and the power. He's decent in defence, and if you can if you the only thing I don't think he's got is maybe the maybe the step I'd like to have from a from a thirteen the ability to to change direction. I think he's very very direct, which. You know, is one of his strengths as a winger, where he where he pops up. But if you've got that going time and time and time again, from your thirteen, could become a little bit samey. I'd like I'd like to see him out in the wing still, and I'd like to see him given a chance. Um, it's kind of 
uh, lend towards one of the questions that's come through from Twitter from Ben Bacon, which is which young players should Eddie be bringing in now so they're seasoned internationals by the time of the next World Cup? And he would be on my list, not because we've got a shortage of options on the wing, but just because I think he's stuck his hand up enough already. Yeah, and I think he probably would have, may have got the nod over McConaughey had he remained fit over the back end of last season and, and over the summer. I think that he, yeah. he got he picked up a couple of injuries and, and that cost him a little bit. Um, the other player who really uh, impressed me in this game was uh, the returning Alex Dombrandt. Um, I think I think Dombrandt is fantastic, and again on that list as well. The way the way he approaches contact, the way he he finds gaps, but also runs through people. And I, I mentioned, I think it might have been on Twitter that I think when you look at alternatives to Benny Vunapola, the closest person, other than Nathan Hughes, who has had a bit of a resurgence <laughs> again this season. Um, I don't think Eddie will go back to Nathan Hughes. I think his race is probably ran as far as international honours is concerned. But the closest, if you were going to play a similar game plan, the closest to Benny Bulapola would be Alex Dombrunt in in the current in the current mould. And I think you know the way he can he can punch those holes and offload and you know again if you wanted that one two punch and, and not someone different like. Uh, Sam Simmons, for instance, then then Don Brandt could well be the the next cab off the rank in in that scenario. Um, I don't know what you think about that, Ryan. What do you think of Don Brandt? I think it's class, absolute class. Um, you know, the, I think the problem they've all, all these players have got is they don't look like rugby players. Ollie Thorley doesn't look like an international winger, but Don Brandt doesn't look like. And an athlete, and every, the whole famous uni rig and all this stuff. But I don't think that should matter. Look at the great Australian teams of the past. We, we'll just talk about this with Ollie Thorley. They would have stuck him, made his debut on the wing and moved him in. Like Sterling Mortlock made his debut against Lomo on the wing and took the kicks. And then they slowly in their career move into the centres. I, I think that we've got a real issue in this country with not doing similar things and seeing classy players and being able to move them around and have that kind of thing. But, you know, I, I, I think Don Brandt's class. I think also we're also missing here is Mr. Simmons down in Exeter as well. If we're going to talk about this, I know he's had a few cats for England, but, you know, will he ever... I thought for a minute that you were talking about Joe Simmons. No. <laughs> he played a, he played a few, few minutes in the centres at the weekend as well, um, Sam Simmons, didn't he? As far as I'm aware, he uh, why, he lined up in the back line for a bit. Simmons isn't isn't good enough. I think if you're looking in four years' time, I don't think Ford's going to be around. One reason or another, I think he'll either go to rugby league or they'll realise that he's not the best option at ten. Cipriani's not going to be there. Um, Farrell's obviously going to be number one choice, but behind him, Simmons has got to be in the shouting. Great, uh, I, I, I reckon it, Smith. Uh, yeah, it's a competitive position, and actually, if you take if you take that question in its in, in all seriousness, what you should be doing is going, where are we going to be weak in four years' time from what the current squad is? And actually, we have zero backup front row or prop anyway, zero backup props because Cole's not going to be there. 
Mako's not going to be there. Col- Col- not- Dan Collin going to be there next week, let alone next no. World Cup. So well, I, don't, Mako- I don't think England Mako's- have got this kind of problem, though, because I think Celtic countries have to think like this. I think England, they just come and just like, you're like, wow. I know but, there's got to be some kind of planning, but, but I think England know, are so embarrassed by riches that these players will just rock up. Like, look at Curry. In the you're World exactly Cup. right. Just right. appear. Like, we, yeah. We're four years off the World Cup. We don't need to think about it for another two years, really. Yeah. And, and then it becomes a two year project to get them bedded into the squad, et cetera. But yeah, look at Curry, look at, look at how, how Ludlam's done in his however many games, three or four games before the World Cup, and was, was an absolute star. So I, I don't see it's anything that we, should, we have to talk about now. But if you are going to talk about it, you say actually front row is the bit that concerns me the most. So if you're going to talk two year plans, should we talk Lions then? Oh, no, I can't. I can't come, come, come back in, come back in New Year. Oh, but you see, like people going off oh, post world podcast, post yeah. World Cup Lions squad, all oh, Lions. This it's like Jesus Christ. Well, you know, some people are uh, well. See, that's probably a bit harsh, but there are people that run Twitter accounts that 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 are so desperate to just put content out all the live long day that they just make that sort of shit up and it's just like Facebook, fucking Facebook get, as well. yeah well they're the same i mean I, I won't i won't name them the more but there is about 500 of them and i guess that each one has got at least seven people that run it or contribute and it's just like fuck just have a day off fellas have a day <laughs> off you don't need you don't need to be going who, which rugby player has got a, a name that rhymes with a type can we, of float? Can we move this on, Russ? Yeah, sorry, mate. you got a problem yeah. with you. You've got somewhere else no, to be. No, no, no. I'm just saying, you know, maybe let's not, you know, alienate right. every single rugby account. In I'm Britain. not, I'm not, mate. I'm just saying, <laughs> just saying. And, you know, the people, they know they know who they are. They probably don't even listen. Um, but there are some very good <laughs> ones and some good ones that have supported us in the past. So let me just know it's not, it's not him. Uh, um, <laughs> absolutely. So, so Steve, if you're listening, it's not you. By the way, it's not you. Because um, you're, you're not. You're not listening. You're, well, no, because because <laughs> because Steve, who will listen, I guarantee it. Yeah, he he doesn't do very much Twitter. He's more Facebook. So I'll, a, I'll let that one go. The, he's a friend of the podcast. Anyway, Steve. anyway, right. Let's let's move on. One thing I will say. You know, you mentioned Doug about the box kicking, and <laughs> in the last few minutes, one thing. Danny Kerr gave a bit of a masterclass at the end of that game. You know, they were they were winning by um they were winning by a point twenty to nineteen with with I think five and a half minutes, five minutes left. And all he did was just go left and right and left and right. And the forwards kept hold of it. And eventually um Gloss gave away a penalty and then and then they knocked it over. But they they drained the clock to minute zero right. to, yeah, to zero. I- I think teams do it because they're afraid of putting the ball in hand. They don't trust themselves to be able to hold the ball for five minutes. It's a, yeah, it's a skill. But but Danny Care was was confident enough in the people that he was around him. A game, it's a game management thing, isn't it? Mm. Yeah. So, so there you go. Right, that's that's kind of it. Let's let's move on from rugby now. Uh, Ryan, we've got a, a customary segment stolen from fighting talk and other podcasts where we just allow people to have a little bit of a a few comments a few things about well rants or positive or negative 
about anything else in the world that you want to talk about. So if, if you've got any uh, any other business you want to you want to add in before we before we knock it on the head, then be my guest. Um, I'm on a West Country podcast, so I want to just uh, talk about something I think that's dying, and I'll give an example: is amateur amateur rugby amateurism, and. When I was a kid, I went and watched a West Country Select 15 play a New Zealand All Blacks touring side. I don't know if you guys have ever remember this game, but there was this cult hero called Spencer Brown. He was in the army band. And Umanga was on the wing, Tana Umanga. He came across, smashed him into the boards, got back up, next play, all the way around, tracked him back and smashed him into the boards. So my rant is, in this modern professional game, why can't we get more one-off games like West Country Select or England-Wales versus Scotland-Ireland and things like that. I know that there's not much time to it, but that's just my rant of end of uh, rugby amateurism. Yeah, I like that. And they used to be, they used to be such good, like, combined services. and Yeah. Um, combined services still play. It, they do, but there, there's no... It's, isn't it UKAF now? Yeah. UK Armed Forces. Yeah. It just doesn't get the... It doesn't have the the gravitas, I suppose, that it that it used to have. You know, teams like you say, touring teams, international touring teams, midweek used to play against combined services, didn't they? And it was like, yeah. it was a real, real big thing and a real, you know, it probably still isn't an honour in the military to to represent it, but you know, I doubt it's as much of a, an honour as it used to be playing combined services now. I know Josh McNally played, didn't he? Yeah, and those those. Um... You know, sort of representative sides always had quality staffs as well. Yeah, and then we all know that's the most important exactly. stash. Stash yeah. is the England Wales teams that would have red and red and white quarters. Yeah, oh, against that's... green and blue quarters. Yeah, oh, imagine imagine two teams in quarters going at it. Oh. Imagine imagine Scotland Ireland against England Wales. It would be absolutely amazing. Oh, yeah. red, red and white versus blue and green. Voiced. Wow, let's make it. Well, <laughs> we, we've got no, we've got no, uh, no ability to make that happen. So we'll. we'll it's uh, got to start somewhere. It's got it to start does. Somewhere. True. Um, Phil, in fact, no, Doug, you're in the car. Anything from you? Um, watch if you haven't already. Watch Watchmen. It's one of the greatest bits of television ever made. It's fantastic. There's two episodes left. If you haven't read the book, read the book. I'm going to keep going on about it until you do because it is stunning. The whole lot of it. Cool. Cheers, mate. Phil? Uh, so I wasn't on the pod last week because I was up in Leicester for work. Um, and I do this thing now because I don't really like driving nine or ten hours in a day where the day before I'll um, be at home, hang around until the kids are in bed, and then I'll leave and I'll drive however far I can be asked or however far when I think I'm leaving I can be asked to drive before going to bed. So I booked myself a room just as I left Cornwall at half seven at the Holiday Inn Express in Droitwich. Oh, I've stayed there. It's Holiday Inn Express. You know what you're going to get. Um, so I rock up there at about half 11, quarter to midnight, something like that. Um, pull in. Uh, they go, oh, is it Mr. Smith? And I went, no. Um, I've got a, room booked, got a room booked in the name of Elkins. And they went, oh, are you sure you've booked it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Pulled out my phone, got the email, handed it across. Yeah, you've booked it for the wrong date. Brilliant. Amazing. 
So I booked it for the 26th of December rather than the 26th of November. <laughs> take, take it, taking the Mrs. Elkins to a nice little uh, weekend away droid twitch in Boxing Day. Exactly. Um, I was like, oh, bugger. And he was like, let me see if you've got any spare room. No, nope, we're fully booked. <laughs> so I got straight on the phone, straight onto hotels.com. I managed to book myself into a hotel two miles down the road, which I checked into two minutes later. So my my any other business really is thank God for the internet because yeah. 15 <laughs> years ago, I'd have, been, I'd have been sleeping in the car. I've done it with a flight before. What Booked turned up on the wrong day for the flight? Yeah. yeah. Um, thanks, mate. My, my, uh, any of business relates loosely rugby related, but um, I'm a celebrity. Get me out of here. Um, <laughs> banter, banter, banter. <laughs> the king of bants, um, the Bantasaurus Rex, James Haskell, has been absolutely murdered all over social media this weekend by having a bit of a pop at television royalty Kate Garraway. And if there's one thing you can't do, is upset. The daytime housewives that are, that are all over Good Morning Britain, literally calling James Haskell every single name under the sun, and he's gone from being probably one of the favourites to win to more than likely going to get voted out in the next couple of days <laughs> because he had a pop at Kate Garraway. Imagine being that. Imagine that life. Yeah. It's just absolutely mental. But I will you know say, what though, he he doesn't care because it's all exposure. He'll yeah. be selling some kind of shit off the back of it. Brand Brand Haskell. Yeah. Okay. So he, he told me last year, uh, when, so this is a true story, when he appeared in the Sun on Sundays magazine that they bring out in his pants with Chloe and uh, knickers and bra, oh, yeah. he, lost, he lost his Land Rover deal because of that. <laughs> he rang him up really? and said, bring the car back. This is not what we want. Yeah. Wow. So yeah, the choice, the choice, the choices we make. Yeah, wow. Front cover of Fabulous magazine in briefs or uh, your Land Rover back. Wow, I bet JCB got back involved though, didn't they? They seem to be be all over his face. Um, Right, this weekend is uh, back to Europe, so we know we've got Champions Cup and Challenge Cup weekend, and uh, it's the double headers, isn't it? So we've got the the back to back fixtures. Some interesting ones to to look forward to. Um, we'll be back this time next week. I'm hoping uh, back to the regular Monday night slot uh, because we're now uh, being less lazy and we're actually making a bit more of an effort. So uh, hopefully we're back next week. Ryan, it's been an absolute pleasure to have you on. Uh, thanks, thanks, and you are always uh, always welcome. Whenever, whenever you want to come back, it's been uh, it's been an absolute pleasure. So, so thanks for making the effort. Thanks, guys. No worries. And Phil and Doug, I will see you all next week. And uh, yeah, we'll keep from there. Go well. Go well, boys. Podcast Network. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. 
That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchases, full work limited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.